The following audio is from Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to make and mature disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. All right, well, good morning. What an awesome, awesome time of worship this morning. Amen? We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 13. Uh, Last week, Daniel did three verses into the uh, book of Acts, chapter 13. And this week, I'm going to pick up right there on verse 4, and then we'll get to about verse 12. Um, How many of you remember uh, back in school, when you were in school, for some of you, it might have been a lot longer than others, but... uh, (laughs) How many of you remember the true-false thing, right? Uh, a test that had true or false, you could check one or the other. I always hated the true or false because, you know, sometimes they were worded in such a way that it very much confused me. I always like multiple choice. Multiple choice, you know, there's a process of elimination, okay? I know a lemon is not orange, and so C is not the answer, obviously. But, uh, but true or false sometimes would mess with you, and you have to start thinking, really thinking about it. Is the statement I'm reading true, or is it not? And uh, so on that premise, you know, there are things that are true in this world, and there are things that are false. Wouldn't you agree on that? There are things that are legitimate, And there are things that are fake. Now, how good are we in this world of uh, spotting the fake? How good are we at spotting the fake? I wore this watch this morning on purpose. The watch says Rolex on it. And uh, I've always wanted a Rolex watch. I just never had the money to pay for one. So I bought a fake one. And uh, (laughs) it's like $25 or something. It looks really nice. It keeps great time. Um, but I just thought it'd be funny, actually, to buy a fake Rolex and wear it. Uh, and so I have no issue wearing a fake Rolex watch. Now, there are some people who do not like doing the fake thing, right? There are some people who will not buy a knockoff anything to save their lives. Uh, but there are some people who will. Now, I will wear a fake Rolex. I'll wear fake Oakleys. I'll do all that stuff. But what I will not do is I will not buy fake Oreos, okay? There's a difference. There's a big difference. I know that for a fact, right? That if I taste one of those cookies that are the fake ones, I'm going to know right off the bat. We almost did an experiment in the office this week as I was saying that uh, to Stephanie and to Tammy. And they're like, we're going to go buy the two different. We're going to blindfold you. I was like, let's do it. Do you want to bet 100 bucks? Because I'm going to win. Like, I can spot that fake. And, uh, and you know, that's just, that's just the way I am. But on a serious note, um, there are times, there are times when we need to be able to spot the fake. Wouldn't you agree? There are really times where we need to be able to spot the fake. We're, Melissa and I are about to have a baby. And uh, yeah, woo. And uh, uh, (laughs) lots of babysitters in here. Thank you. No, we're we're about to have a baby. And if I'm going to go buy a car seat, I want to buy a car seat that's really safe right? And I want to buy a car seat that no matter what the money is, it's going to keep my child safe. Now, I could go buy one that looks safe, but doesn't meet all all the requirements and guidelines of the real one. 
And even though it looks like the real one would not be as safe as the fake one. Would you agree? And so in that case, I need to buy, I need to buy the right car seat with, that meets all the safe guidelines and not buying one off of Wish or something like that, right? Uh, because <laughs> that's not going to be very safe. So just because the things look the same does not make them the same, right? The fake one could be very dangerous. I mean, you think about it, like medications, all that stuff. The fake thing will always be more dangerous in that sense than the real deal. And when it comes to things of that matter, we absolutely need the true product or the real deal, even if it costs higher. Even if the price is more, would you agree we need to pay for it? Have you ever heard the saying, you get what you pay for? Uh, That's very true. You can ask Daniel Ward next time you need a tree taken out of your yard. Uh, That's an inside joke, but ask him and he'll tell you. Uh, But it's very true. You, you, You most of the time do get what you pay for. And here in the 13th chapter of Acts, we encounter a man named Bar Jesus or Elimus. That's kind of his name translated. And the Bible says that he was a a fake Jewish prophet or a, a magician. He's a fake prophet. He's not a real prophet, but he is a fake prophet, it says. So let's go ahead and and jump right in. Acts chapter 13. If you remember uh, last week, Daniel talked about uh, Paul and Barnabas that had been set apart, and they're now going out to do missions and to preach the gospel. And so they're going everywhere. And this is where we encounter them. Acts chapter 13, verse 4. We're going to read through 12. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. When they had traveled the whole island as far as Paphos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. Uh, intelligent man. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, that is the meaning of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at Elimus and said, you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, you son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the Lord's hand is against you. You are going to be blind and you will not see the sun for a time. Immediately, a mist and darkness fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then when he saw what had happened, the proconsul believed because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. What an amazing account in the 13th chapter of Acts. I've been doing ministry a long time. You could probably do ministry a lifetime and not see something like that happen, right? Somebody gets struck with blindness because they're a false prophet. But that's exactly what happens here. Paul and Barnabas, they're out, and it says that they're preaching the gospel, and they're going from region to region to region, and they encounter this proconsul, Sergius Paulus, and he's like an upper elite, right? And there's this guy, Bar-Jesus, who is kind of in the ear of Sergius Paulus, the proconsul. But the thing that's cool is that 
uh, Paul and Barnabas, they're preaching to everybody. It doesn't matter if you're low on the totem pole. It doesn't matter if you're high on the totem pole. They are giving the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone they encounter. And there comes a point where Paul, he sees this false prophet, uh, this guy bar Jesus, and this guy is having a negative impact on the gospel. Right? It says that uh, Sergius Paulus wanted to hear about the gospel from Paul and, and Barnabas, and, and this Elemas guy comes and he's kind of he's, he's talking against them. He is negatively impacting the effectiveness of the gospel. And Paul sees this and recognizes this. And I love the approach from Paul, right? Whenever this guy comes and he's speaking against the apostles, we don't see Paul and Barnabas have a sit down at a table with him. They don't say, well, let's sit down, Bar Jesus, and let's have this logical discussion about why you are opposed to what we're saying. Would you please? (laughs) That's not at all what we see. Paul gets straight to the point. Look what he says. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Verse 10, you son of the devil. An enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Let me tell you something. Somebody calls me a son of the devil to my face. Them are fighting words, right? Uh, it's, it's probably worse language than we're even thinking here, literally. Uh, it, Paul kind of lets him have it in not so nice language because he understands the severity of this false prophet. He says, you son of the devil, I can think of other words, uh, deceit and trickery and all of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? I mean, he lets them have it. He calls it how he sees it. No beating around the bush, no sugarcoating, anything like that. Paul lets him have it. He takes this approach because he knows the impact that a false prophet can have on the gospel. Now, I want you to hear me this morning because we're going to be kind of circling back to that, but that's very important right now that we understand the severity of the impact a false prophet has on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul knew the Old Testament. Actually, that would be a major understatement. Paul would refer to himself later as a Hebrew of all Hebrews. He was a Pharisee as it pertained to the law, he said, meaning that he was a lawyer in Jewish law, right? It's, he's a Pharisee, he says. Pharisees were, have, would have known to have been able to quote you the Psalms by the age of 12. Think about that for a second. They would have been able to quote the entire book of Psalms from memory by the time they were 12. And Paul knows the Old Testament like the back of his hand. And he knows and understands the severity of false prophets, right? Bar-Jesus is not a pagan. This guy, Elymas, this sorcerer, he's not a pagan. He's not a pagan worshiping Zeus or Thor or anybody like that. He's Jewish. He is a Jewish false prophet. And that's why Paul says, won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Meaning he was turning people away for preaching a false Yahweh, a false Yahweh, not a pagan. He wasn't leading anybody to a pagan God. He was leading people away from Yahweh in the name of Yahweh, right? Uh, he, he, was pervert, he was preaching a perversion of the, very, of the very words of God, which is scripture. Again, Paul understands the severity of false prophets, and he would have known what God had to say about them. Paul would have known Deuteronomy 18, 
20 through 22, which says, but the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who seeks in the name of, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die. You must say to yourself, how can we recognize a message the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the Lord's name and the message does not come true or is not fulfilled, this is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Ezekiel twenty-two twenty-eight. Her prophets plaster for them with whitewash by seeing false visions and lying divinations. This is uh, God talking about Israel saying, this is what the Lord God says when the Lord God has not spoken. God is basically saying that if a prophet comes to you and says, thus says the Lord, then there is some real serious weight behind that statement. And he says, if you, if there's somebody who is, who is saying they're a prophet, They're saying they are a prophet from the Lord. And he comes and says, thus says the Lord. And that thing in which he said does not come to pass. Does it say, don't ever listen to that guy again. He's bad. Don't don't ever communicate with him again. What does it say? It says to kill him. It says you kill him dead because the words that they have spoken are very words against God and not for God. And he says, you're going to know who these people are because they're going to have all kinds of things to say and they're not going to come true. We were talking about this in Sunday school. I absolutely hate it when I hear somebody try to give some kind of prophecy as if it's a new revelation, okay? That's not the way God works. God has communicated us through his word, communicated to us through his word, and I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but but that's that's what we rely on, okay? And And if a prophet is going to say something and is not pinpoint accurate, then we know it's not from God. God is not going to give you a message to where you say, maybe on the happenstance in the year 2022, it could be that, you know, no, 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 no. There are such pinpointed prophecy in the Bible that there are scholars who try to debunk the Bible because they don't believe it was written within the time it was written because of how accurate it is. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, predates Alexander the Great and speaks of Alexander the Great and how his kingdom would be divided into four parts. Well, wouldn't you know that Alexander the Great, when he died, four of his generals took, uh, took, took, took the regions uh, of, of the whole place that Alexander the Great had conquered. This is 300 years before Alexander the Great. So my point is, If it's a prophet, it's coming from God, he's saying it will come to pass, it will happen, and if it doesn't, there are consequences to pay for it. Here was this false prophet trying to sway people with thus says the Lord's statements, and Paul was having none of it. As Paul encounters this guy, and this guy comes and tries to oppose him with Yahweh, with the God Almighty that they're trying to serve, Paul says this in verse 10, and we're going to read uh, 10 and 11. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight path of the Lord? And then he deals with it instantaneously. 
look, now the Lord's hand is against you and you are going to be blind and will not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and darkness fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. God will deal ruthlessly with those who says, thus says the Lord, if the Lord didn't say. He will deal ruthlessly with those who come speaking in the name of the Lord, and it's not true. Look at the evidence here. This guy bar Jesus is saying he's a prophet, a sorcerer, and he's doing all kinds of things, and probably had never experienced anything like what Paul dealt on him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand that we serve a loving God. Amen? Wouldn't you agree? That God is love. God is full of love. He's merciful God. He is a gracious God. He has an abundance of grace, Paul says in the book of Romans. But God is a God of justice. God has zero tolerance for those who will try to come in his name if he did not send them because then they are leading his sheep astray. And God has zero tolerance for that. Paul has identified this man, Bar-Jesus, as a false prophet and through the Holy Spirit deals with him adequately. He has to nip it in the bud. And that's exactly what we have to do with false prophets. Look at verse 9 again. But Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at Elymas. Let me just say that the Holy Spirit don't play. <laughs> okay? The Holy Spirit don't play. And if, and, if, and if there is somebody who is going to speak on behalf of God and it's not God, the Holy Spirit, through those whom he has called, will draw them out. Hear me right. The Holy Spirit, inside of the authentic believer, will draw out and call out the false prophet. They have to because they are in contrary to one another. It should be no surprise to us how seriously God deals with false prophets. And we, just as Paul here, should be able to identify those false prophets. There are many false prophets, false teachers, false doctrines, false gospels right now in our world today, 2020. And we have to be careful who we follow, who we read, and who we listen to because these false prophets will come in the name of the Lord and will lead some astray who do not understand. This is probably the most important thing we're going to hear this morning is that there are false prophets, false doctrines, and false gospels today inside of churches like this one right here. They're all over. They're all over. And we have to be careful with that because we already know what God has said about himself. And it is right here in his word. Look at 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they come from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Test the spirits. Matthew 7, 15, this is Jesus speaking. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. We are warned over and over and over in the Bible that there are going to be these false prophets who are going to come as wolves in sheep clothing to try to infiltrate the church and lead those who are authentically of Jesus Christ astray. It's going to happen. And it's not going to happen at the Mormon church. 
It's not going to happen at uh, the Jehovah's Witness. It's not going to happen at some of these other uh, cult-like churches. It's going to happen in churches like ours today. There are churches who call themselves Baptist. There are churches who call themselves non-denominational. There are churches in our area that are preaching false gospel and are full of people who are sitting there listening to it day in and day out. And so you might be thinking, well, how do I identify false gospels? How do I identify false prophets? Well, uh, there's going to be some things to know and some things to know about false prophets and false gospels. And let's get into that this morning. The first thing we must know is the word of God. How simple is that? (laughs) How simple is that? We must know the word of God. That's the first thing we have to know when it comes to false gospels. Everything we need to know about God has been revealed to us in his word and nothing outside of his word Uh, We don't need anything outside of his word to lead us to who he is. This is our only source of truth. This is the only source of truth, and this is all we need. Look at Galatians 1, 6, 9. Paul is writing to this Galatia uh, church in Galatia, and they've been having these issues uh, with false doctrines. Actually, Jewish uh, legalists have come in and have tried to persuade them that there's this different gospel, that Jesus wants them to be circumcised first, and he wants them to, to do all these extra things before they can become Christians. And here's Paul reprimanding them. Galatians 1, 6-9, he says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, and I now say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. Listen, Paul is using some real serious language here when he writes in the Greek, a, per, a curse be on you. He's legitimately saying, let that person be damned to hell forever. That's the language he's using when he says, if anyone... If you see a night vision of an angel coming from you and they preach a different gospel than what Jesus Christ has already laid down, a curse be on that thing. If anyone, even if we, Paul Paul warns them, if me or any of my companions come to your church and visit your church and preach something contrary to what the word of God has already said, a curse be on him. Let them be damned to hell forever, is what he's saying. That's some strong language. And he's, uh, he's letting them know that there is some serious weight that goes behind changing what the word of God says. There is some serious weight behind taking what's pure and what's right and what God has laid down as a foundation for our salvation and manipulating it for their own benefit. There's some real serious weight behind that and Paul lets them know. We cannot identify those who are using God's word incorrectly if we don't know God's word correctly ourselves. Let me say that again. We cannot identify those who are using God's word incorrectly if we do not know the word of God correctly for ourselves. False prophets will use the word of God itself 
to try to lead you astray and believe something different. They will quote you verses and take them out of context. They will do things that sound legitimate to lead you away purposely. But we have to know what the word of God says and we have to understand the word of God for ourselves so that we can know how to defend ourselves against that. Did you know that when somebody is trained to spot counterfeit money, do you know how much counterfeit money they actually hold during the whole time of training? Zero. They do not even touch counterfeit money. They've never seen counterfeit money in their life. When they train somebody as an expert to know what the real dollar bill should look like, they only study the real dollar bill. Why is that? So they'll know. So that when they see the fake, they'll immediately know that it is not the real thing. And they've never studied the fake. They've only studied the real deal. And if you and I are not careful, and if we do not know the word, then we could be following the wrong thing and be led astray. We're all personally responsible for that in our own lives. Okay? Please hear me that you cannot get to heaven and tell Jesus, well, Julian and Daniel said. (laughs) Don't put that juju on me. That's not good. All right? I'm going to try to preach to you the word of God for what it says. But it's your responsibility to look into the word of God and make sure that what I'm telling you is correct. That is our personal responsibility. Look at Psalm 1. Oh, sorry. Psalms 119, 18. It says, open my eyes that I may behold the wonderful things from your law. Psalm 119, 27. Make me understand the way of your precepts so I will meditate on your wonders. Psalm 119, 34. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all of my heart. We have to pray that God will give us the understanding and the discernment that when we read his word, that we will know the difference between that and a fake. And if we're not in the word of God daily, if we're not meditating on God's word, if we're not reading God's word and studying it, then we're going to be ineffective when it comes to spotting the fake. That's point blank. You can't listen to what I have to say only on Sundays or what Daniel has to say or even in growth group and defend yourself against a false gospel because that is studying and meditating and reading that you have to do on your own. If we're not in the word of God daily and don't have understanding for it, then we will not have the ability to identify false prophets for who they really are. I'm going to say something and... uh, I've been kind of weighing on my chest all week about saying it, but I'm just going to say it. So uh, I want to give you an example of somebody who takes the word of God out of context and then scripture uh, incredibly goes against what they have to say. Okay? There's a guy by the name of Stephen Furtick. He's a preacher of Elevation Church. You've probably heard his sermons. You've probably listened to their music. It's great. Stephen Furtick said in a sermon, God broke, uh, Jesus broke the law to save you. Now, when you hear that, what do you automatically think? Oh, how great is that? 
How great is that, that Jesus would go beyond the law and that he would break the law because I was special, because I was something to behold, and he let go of the law, and he broke the law to come and to save me. And Stephen Furtick is a fiery preacher, and he will pull at your heartstrings to make you think, this is wonderful news. This is wonderful news that Jesus would break the law for me. But look at what Jesus himself says about the law. Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Don't think that I came to abolish the law or of the prophets. Wait a second. Stephen Furtick said you came to break the law. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come to break. I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to do away with the law. Well, then who's right? He says, don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Wait a second. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to break the law. I am the law. I came to fulfill the law. I came to show you that you can't do the law and I'm going to do it for you. He didn't break the law. He fulfilled it. He gave you what you needed because he did the law and because we couldn't. And we have thousands and millions of people listening to people like that and not questioning it for a second because it feels good when we hear it. But a quick look in scripture will show that that's not right. We have to know the word of God to be able to identify this. If we know scripture and what Jesus has already said about himself, then when we hear something like Jesus broke the law, we can identify it as false. There are no two ways about it. There are no two ways about it. Jesus has already said who he is. He's the fulfillment of the law. Why would he break the law if he's the fulfillment? I don't care how cool a guy sounds or how popular he may be or how nice his sneakers are when he's preaching. If he's preaching something false, you need to stop listening. If he's preaching something false, everything else he has to say is garbage. Listen, I trust this word because it is inerrant. I trust this word because I believe that every word in it is true in its original writings. Now, let's say, for instance, somebody were to be able to prove to me that one thing in this Bible is inaccurate and not true. I might as well throw the whole thing in the trash. Because why would I believe one thing from somebody who tells me one thing false, but believe that the rest of it is true? It don't work that way. So we need to know the word of God. It's very vital and very important for us. Number two, a false prophet will not identify themselves as such. A false prophet will not identify themselves as such. Again, let's look at what Jesus had to say about this. Matthew 7, 15, we already read. Let's read it again. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. This guy bar Jesus in, in Acts chapter 13, he was not going around telling people, hey, I'm a false prophet, right? That wasn't his thing. He wasn't going around and saying, listen, I'm the false one, but hear me out. He didn't identify himself as such. Bar-Jesus came and said, thus says the Lord. Bar-Jesus came and tried to use the authority of who Yahweh was to grab attention for what he was trying to say. 
And so he was purposely manipulating and deceiving people, and there was no identifying this man apart from the Holy Spirit, right? We saw that, that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was able to identify him, that he called him out as soon as he saw it, and he said, no, 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 you are a false prophet. Actually, you're a son of the devil, because if you're not a son of God, I got news for you, you're a son of the devil. There's no in-between. If you haven't surrendered to Jesus Christ, you're not a child of God. Like the song said, you're a son of the devil. There's, there's no in-between. Okay? So you can't say, I, I know a good person. He, you know, he's, not, he's not saved or anything, but oh God, they're so good. You know, another one of God's children. That's not the way it works. That's just extra freebie. But, uh, but he called it out. By the Holy Spirit, he called it out. You know, we live in a world right now that is all about tolerance, right? All about tolerance. And I'm all for tolerance. I'm, I, I want to tell you as an apologist that when people use the word tolerance, they're not using it correctly, okay? This is a quick lesson here. Tolerance is not, Chris, you would disagree with me, and so, Chris, you're wrong. You need to believe what I believe. That's, you need to be tolerant and believe the way I believe. Well, that's not tolerance, that's, that's not the definition of tolerance. And so they're using it incorrectly. Tolerance is, I believe something, Chris believes something totally different. And you know what? We're going to agree to disagree. I'm not going to hate Chris. Chris isn't going to hate me. Uh, you know, we just disagree. I don't, I, don't need to, I don't need to convince Chris to believe the way I do to be tolerant. Me being tolerant is understanding Chris has his own values and beliefs. And he can have those if he wants to. But we try to use, or our society tries to use tolerance as, if I believe this way and you believe something different, you are intolerant because you don't believe the way I believe. That's ludicrous. That goes beyond the definition of what tolerance actually is. And in other words, that in the Christian spectrum, there is this, there is this uh, hesitancy right now to call out those who are preaching false doctrines because of tolerance. There are those who are hesitant to say Stephen Furtick, blah, 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 because they're so great and they're on TV or whatnot, okay? There are those who are hesitant because of tolerance to say, yeah, they might believe a little something different than I do, but we're all children of God. That's incorrect. If you're preaching something different and contrary to what the Bible has already said, then you're wrong. And you are a false false prophet or a false teacher. And how important is it that we recognize a wolf in sheep's clothing? How important is that? Well, if you're a rancher, then you know that if you have a hundred sheep and you have one wolf in sheep's clothing, within a few days, you're going to have a whole lot less sheep and you're not going to realize it. Think about that for a second. If you have this pastor who's preaching this false doctrine and you have these millions of people following them on Instagram and on Twitter and in person and they're a wolf in sheep's clothing, little by little by little they are leading people astray and if you're a rancher, you would do away with that wolf because it's taking your sheep and it's eating them up. And we have to be able to identify those right? There might be false prophets out there who are being used by Satan and they don't even understand the error that they're in. 
but are very much being manipulated by Satan in what they're doing. You see, Satan can't use someone who trusts and understands God's word for what it is. Listen, I don't know everything there is to know about God's word. There's a lot of gray area that I will be just fine telling you, man, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But what I do know is what the Bible says. And some of these other guys, what they'll do is they'll, they'll try to smooth it over with Jesus broke the law to help you to understand, to make you feel better that there's not as much responsibility on, on, on your end. There's not so much a surrender because Jesus loves you and would break the law for you. Solomon wisely said, there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Nobody's going to come up. Nobody's going to come up with this great revelational theory of, of something in the Bible that has not already been understood yet because God has revealed everything to us in his word. A false prophet or a false teacher will come at you with something that sounds really good to you, but they will convince you that it came straight from the Bible. Listen to this. A false prophet will come to you and they will say, the Bible says this and that, and so because of that, blank. Let me give you a couple of examples. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an example of a false teacher and then I'm going to show you scripture that directly opposes what they had to say. So it's not my opinion that I'm talking here. I'm going to give you the false teacher and then I'm going to tell you what God has to say. Does that work for us? Can we handle that? Listen to what this guy said. God wants to bless you in such a way that people notice. He wants to show out in your life. That was Joel Osteen. God wants to bless you so everybody can see. Oh, he wants to show off in you with the hair. <laughs> but look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 and 6. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing on the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in, sees you in secret will reward you. Well, hold on a second. Joel Osteen just told me God wants to show me off. He wants me to give big so I can look big and so everybody can see how much I'm being used by God. But that's not what Jesus says. It's a, it's a direct contradiction to what the Bible itself has already told us what we should do. And why would we believe it? Here's another one for you. You're meant to be the hero of your own story. And sometimes the most heroic thing you can do is love yourself today as you are as you are. That's a writer by the name of Rachel Hollis said that. You're meant to be the hero of your own story. Look what Hebrews 12, 2 says. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. By keeping our eyes on who? On Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because the joy of awaiting him, he endured the cross 
disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Hey, you know who the hero is? The hero is Jesus. The champion is Jesus. I did nothing to save myself from the sin that was dragging me down. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to say, I could do nothing. I could do no good, he says in Romans, that I couldn't even seek God. And it was God's Holy Spirit who did the work. And it was Jesus who bore the cross. And it was Jesus who died. And Jesus who resurrected. And now God has seated Jesus on high, on his right side. He's the hero. He's the champion. I'm not. I am nothing. I am nobody because Jesus is everything and he is everybody. We're not the hero of our own story. Jesus is. But we have these people who come and who want to say these things and make us feel all bubbly inside so that we can believe what they say and lead us astray. Uh, And this is just extra, but she would further go on to say, this Rachel Hollis lady, that other religions can lead you to God just as Jesus can. Jesus said, hey, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to me except, no one comes to the Father except through me. Well, who are we supposed to believe? Rachel Hollis or Jesus himself? They're not going to identify themselves as false prophets. And again, please, please, please be careful who you listen to and who you read and what you believe because it has ramifications on what you believe about God. Huge ramifications on what you believe about God. All of these people who I've mentioned would never identify themselves as false prophets or false teachers. But just a quick biblical study will show that they are. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Number three, a false prophet will rely on shock and awe, but the gospel is sufficient. The gospel is sufficient. We talked about tolerance earlier and a need for it. I understand there's a need for it. However, we can't be afraid to preach the gospel in its entirety. entirety. Uh, We can't be afraid to preach the gospel in its entirety just because it might offend some people. I hope the gospel offends people. I need the gospel to offend the sin that is living inside of me to know that I can't deal with it myself and that I need a savior who has fulfilled the law, who has done what needs to be done to save me from my sin because I can't do it myself. And that needs to offend me. I need to look at my sin and see it as shame. I need to look at my sin and see it as something that's horrible and despicable to God, and to know that that lives inside of me, and the only thing that can fix it is Jesus. That needs to offend me. I need to understand the severity of that, and that's what the Bible does. When we preach the entirety of the gospel, it's going to offend people who are sinners because they're sinners by nature. Because we want to do those things that we do, and Jesus tells us that there's a better way. Listen, 90% of the Old Testament prophets brought about prophecy of judgment. 90% of the Old Testament prophecies brought about prophecy of judgment. In other words, when a prophet would come to your city and they would say, thus says the Lord, the people would hide and they would run because they knew that judgment and correction was coming for them because God was And it was the thus says the Lord that terrified them because they knew they were in trouble. But today, in today's society, when the prophet comes, 
says the Lord. He says, thus says the Lord, you're going to be blessed. Thus says the Lord, you're the hero of your own story. Thus says the Lord, God wants to bless you so much that people are going to see. And people are flocking to it. There are churches out there with 30, 40, 50,000 members listening to thus says the Lord tickle their ears. And it is contrary to what the gospel message has to say. Listen, it's going to be difficult surrendering to the Lord. Jesus said, if they killed me, they're going to kill you. If they crucified me, they're going to crucify you. Jesus said, if, you, if you're sinning with your left hand, cut it off with your right hand. If one of your eyes is sinning, then pluck it out so that way you can see with one eye and be sinless. What is he saying? He's saying that there's sin that needs to be dealt with inside of our lives. And thus says the Lord is going to help us get there. That God needs to tell me I'm a, I'm a sinner for committing adultery. I need to know that so that way I can get right with God and, and serve him properly. Right? He, he, needs to, he needs to show me the sin of pornography to show me that I'm not supposed to be doing that because I'm cheating on my wife by doing it. God needs to show us that sin so that we can correct it in our lives and follow him for who he is. Not to cater to what we want to hear so that we don't feel bad when we do it. And that's what a false prophet will give you. He'll tell you everything you want to hear so that way you keep coming and listening to him. And not listening to what the word of God says. Look at Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is a living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Hey, the word of God is going to cut you, it says. And it's going to cut you so deep that you're going to realize you're wounded and that you need a savior. That's the point. That's the point. What good is Jesus going to do us if we're not wounded? What good is Jesus going to do us if we're not a mess? If we've got it all figured out, like Joel Osteen said, what good is Jesus for us? We don't need Jesus if that's the case. Jesus isn't a backpack you put on to better your life. Jesus is a king of glory who you surrender to on your knees and follow him in the correction that he brings. That's who Jesus is. We do not need people who will wow us with what they have to say because many times what they are saying is false and contradicts the word of God. This guy Bar-Jesus was wowing everybody. He's a sorcerer. He's a false prophet. Paul and Barnabas, they come and they deal with him quickly. And then I love verse 12, right back in the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 12. It says, then... When he saw what happened, this is Sergius Paulus, the proconsul. When he saw what happened, the proconsul believed, believed in the Lord. Because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't say, Luke, as he's writing this, does not say that the proconsul is amazed by the craziness he just saw with Paul and Bargesus. He's not amazed at the miracle. He's amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Because what Paul and Barnabas had to say was truth. And what Bar-Jesus was saying was false. Does that make sense? There was life in the words that lead you to Jesus. 
And the proconsul saw this and was astonished. False prophets and false teachers will try to astonish you with what they do or say, but the teaching of the Lord is enough. The teaching of the Lord is always enough. What we read in the Bible is always enough. And don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by all kinds of conspiracies and theories uh, and, and the what ifs. And oh, did you know that, you know, uh, you know, this happened here. And if you multiply in Hebrew the words in Deuteronomy, you're going to come out with the Jesus code. And yeah, hold on a second. You don't need any of that stuff. You don't need to wonder. You don't need to, to theorize and, 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 you know, that'll lead you astray from what the plan of God actually is, is what the Bible says. One last passage, and we'll, we'll end with this. This is what he's talking about here. Paul, as he's writing Timothy, Timothy is his protege. Timothy is his disciple. This church that Paul loves in Ephesus, big church. Paul does some great things there. In the book of Acts, Paul does not want to leave Ephesus. He wants to put roots down. But God says, you got to go. So who does he send? He sends his man, Timothy, because Timothy's his right-hand man. This is the guy he's been training for this. He writes him and says, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. I want to read that again. And think of this in the context of what we're saying this morning. As I urged you, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculation rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. You know why you don't need to know it all? It's because we believe in God through faith. It's because we're never going to know it all. And God expects us to follow him by faith, understanding that he does know it all. And when we get caught up in all these conspiracies and all these what ifs and, and what if Jesus did this and, and, and what if, you know, blah, 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 you know, and, oh, and then we do all these studies and we're down Googling everybody and all these idiots who don't know what they're saying. And we come up with all these conclusions and it's like, no, 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 no. God is giving you his plan for your life, which is faith in him. That he's true. That what his word says is true. And everything else from there is false. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to sing a song this morning and we're going to open our altars. And I get I get that this message is not the one where, you know, you've been sinning so much and you need to come and kneel and, uh, you know, you, you, you feel really bad. But what, what we do need to do is we need to pray that God would equip us with the true gospel and the knowledge of his word so that when we see these false gospels, we can call them out. And maybe this morning... Hey, maybe this morning you're guilty of listening to these preachers preach this false gospel and you've been enjoying it. Maybe you didn't know. Maybe you want to know more and we need to talk. I'm, I'm very open to that. We can talk all you want. But understand that if something goes 
contrary to what the word of God has already said, then we're basically chasing after the wind. And we need to do just as Paul did and call out these false gospels for what they are because they're leading others astray. Father, we come before you and we just want to thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the clarity of your word, that you've made it easy enough for someone like me to understand, God, that you've made it easy enough to comprehend that I'm a sinner in need of a savior, God, and that, and that you did all the work and that all I have to do is surrender, God. We thank you for that information that is easy enough to understand, God. And for the things that we don't understand, I pray, Father, that you would help us with that, that you would help us to have the faith in you, God, and that what your word says is accurate and genuine and true, Father. And I pray this morning that if somebody is thinking in their head, I don't know, I don't know about this gospel, I don't know about this Jesus stuff, but I want to know more, and I want to surrender my life to that, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would quicken their hearts this morning, Father, because the truth of the gospel brings peace and it brings salvation and it brings a comfort like no other. We thank you for everything you do, God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.